0: Yeah, yeah, yeah! Come and take a look at the snow, bright white as far as your eyesight goes. Come and take a look at the fields of snow. I'll just get my coat, then we're good to go. Come and take a look at the lake. Let's have a quick skate before it gets late. Come and take a look at the frozen lake.
1: Put your clothes on, mate. Don't make that mistake. ba 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 ba, ba 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 ba. Happy
0: Christmas.
2: Greetings holiday shoppers. There are now just 264 shopping days left until Christmas. And I think you know what that means. That means it's time for another episode of Christmas Creeps, your one-stop shop for holiday movies and TV shows all year round. Hi, my name is Joseph Wade. I'll be your host for this evening. Here with me tonight are my good pals, Johnny 5 the human robot. Hi. And here's my butler, Wordsworth, pouring, pouring me a drink.
1: And that's what the glass clinking noises are, Brad. Uh
2: Mr. Bradford.
1: This is not cleaning. This thing is going to be filthy after I'm done with it.
2: And back on the podcast after a long hiatus, uh, Karen is back with us tonight. Hello. Hi, Karen. How's it? How you been doing? Uh, It's been a while.
0: It has. I mean, I was here for a lost episode around Christmas time, but uh, we had some that our our computer ate it.
2: At yeah, I, I apologize for that because like I that was a good episode and we and it got chewed up by the internet. So. I know
3: well, was, our robot dog canine ate our homework. It was it was very good.
2: <laughs> uh well guys, uh tonight as we record this, it's Oscar Sunday, and uh congratulations to uh Dunkirk for all of the Oscar wins. Is I don't is that the one that's gonna win everything? Congratulations
3: tonight? to um let's say Casablanca, that probably won something. Congratulations, Casablanca.
2: Yeah, congratulations to Gandhi and to Lord of the Rings and to Ben Hur uh, and Rocky and Star Wars. Star Wars didn't win. Rocky 3 won. Rocky 3 definitely won.
1: Congratulations to Kramer versus Kramer.
2: And uh, Back to the Future Part 2. Uh, all the big Oscar winners.
0: Seinfeld. <laughs> Sein versus Seinfeld?
2: Seinfeld versus oh, okay. <laughs> Uh congratulations to uh American Vandal and all of the Oscar winners this year. Uh big round of applause for them. Uh but tonight, in honor of Oscar Sunday, we are actually talking about an Oscar nominated film tonight. Uh, the Hurt Locker. The Hurt Locker, yes. Nobody knows that it's a Christmas movie, but actually, <laughs> you know, if you really get down deep into it, uh Jeremy Renner. Uh, wears a santa hat throughout the entire film underneath his uh his uh bomb squad gear no tonight we're talking about the 1983 uh john landis comedy trading places which uh was nominated for exactly one academy award for best adapted uh score uh which i didn't realize was a category oh i figured it was gonna
3: gonna be like best makeup for all that fucking blackface this movie has
0: (laughs) worst makeup please (laughs)
2: Best oh, costuming for that the uh, the totally real gorilla at the yeah. end of the film. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, God.
0: You definitely the, couldn't the, see the that,
3: human eyes. The, the fucking the fucking quote real gorilla seriously looked like fucking one of the Ewoks from uh, one of the Wookies actually one of the Wookies from uh, Star Wars Christmas special.
1: We're gonna talk about the end. We're gonna talk about the beginning of the third act soon enough because. For everything this movie does right, somebody else like took over or something because it's there's no it takes a so it takes a good, hard and then it's so bad and then it's so good again. Yeah, it like... takes
2: a hard left turn into Shitsville for about ten <laughs> minutes at the end.
3: It's a it's fucking so roller coaster ride, and it's it's kind of amazing because what happens during those ten minutes? Oh, Jim Belushi's in the movie now. Coincidence? That
2: explains it. And that Al explains Franken. everything.
1: And Elphrican, <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, America's man. favorite
2: funny man and America's least favorite uh senator that right
3: explains now. it <laughs> al franken shows up and he's just like oh let the one character rape the other character it's okay
2: right yeah. oh man it's fine they're in love right um but before we get to any of that
1: <laughs> so where it in in your rank order list of disgraced senators where does al franken fall uh, on on but it was specifically disgraced senators
2: has jesse the body ventura no he wasn't ever a senator he was a governor he was never disgraced mm-hmm. okay yeah he so never mind was also never disgraced because <laughs> we definitely Anyways. don't want to get a a season desist from him um yeah i don't know al franken do we even want to get into the al franken no. issue tonight
1: because no let's i i i was mostly being
3: he is in this movie for about five minutes as like a bit part character actor so who cares yeah he plays a he, drunk guy yeah
1: Yup.
2: this is the early 80s and Al Franken, if you know, was if he's known for anything, was known for being a, an SNL writer. So this is an SNL movie through and through. Yeah. Um But yeah. So, so uh, Trading Places, uh, nineteen eighty three, Dan Aykroyd, Eddie Murphy. Uh, not a lot of people consider this a Christmas movie, but I feel like that's a pretty good uh, play. This is a pretty a pretty good time for us to discuss the film because it does take place around the holidays. There's Christmas lights, ev- you know, everywhere. Christmas trees set up. Lots of uh, wealth. Uh, class warfare going on in the film, yeah, which is kind of fi- a, a Christmas staple. Go ahead, Karen.
0: I was gonna say it felt extremely relevant to watch. It was like blowing my mind when we were watching. Yeah, like it. the
3: first, like the opening credits, it, like it was like if they knew what they were doing, this would be like a really like fucking like hit you over the head, blatant like scene of like look how fucked up this shit is. But they didn't know what they were doing because it's the eighties, it's John Landis. They were just like, let's just film Philadelphia.
2: I mean they kind of knew what they were doing like they were they're, they're playing Mozart and they're cutting back and forth between like uh rich people getting ready for christmas and then poor people sleeping in the streets and then like the, the the middle class kind of meet. just working mm-hmm. but then but yeah, then they were they,
3: also cutting to like all of like the revolutionary war shit about like the founding of america freedom blah body blah, blah, blah shit and just of how fucking hollow it rings, and they, yeah. they, they, there was no way they intended that because that's way too deep a message for this fucking movie. I mean, there's,
2: there's, there's one good cut in there where the, there, it's like a, a statue of, of George Washington in front of like a giant like flame, and then it cuts straight to like three hobos standing around a trash fire, and yeah. like that's totally intentional. That's totally intentional.
1: I, I think they would. Knew what they were going for. They just didn't lean hard in, yeah, uh, like hard enough into it. And then also, yeah, some of the some of the imagery in that opening, in that opening montage, kind of undermines it. Where it's like, well, this is still America, and it's like, well, just yeah, maybe like, stick to the cutting back and forth between two very disparate life yeah, situations yeah. and classes. But it's, it's, yeah. it's
2: still like you know early eighties. This is yeah, Reagan's America. Yeah, i on, on any, any sort
3: of social commentary this movie had was. Purely accidental.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> I think the best social commentary you can hope for in this film is uh, when one of the rich guys has on his desk like a a photograph of presumably some family member, and then on the other side a photograph of Ronald Reagan. Yeah, um, yeah. I, that's kind of where this thing comes down. So, uh, hey, who who wants to real quick just kind of give us the quick and dirty on
1: the plot of Trading Places? Oh, geez, Brad um, does. I guess Brad does. Hell yeah. I, guess we're gonna we're gonna lean on brad for this okay so yeah. uh we are introduced our first character is winthorpe mr winthorpe i don't know his first lewis. name played by lewis what Lu- lewis oh like louis, louis. louis when winthorpe uh played by dan Aykroyd, who is a extremely wealthy person um at the opening montage has his butler preparing his breakfast and then we see winthorpe uh receiving breakfast and in bed and getting shaved and it's his valet and yeah, drives yeah. him to work and all that and he Basically is a, a baby yeah he's a giant giant rich baby um he's the boss baby. He go- he's the boss baby
0: there you go you got it
1: academy award uh, nominated film he's the boss academy baby, nominated <laughs> boss baby. <laughs> all right that, um, award-winning boss baby <laughs> Slight aside, just real quick aside. Um, I went to a convention with Joseph in January, and you know, he and he and some of his, his brother and some of, some of our uh, mutual friends had traveled for several hours to get here. And on the first night, you know, it's like, I'm, I'm downstairs, like, taking in the sights. I come back, and what is what is Joseph and one guy who flew out from California doing? They're sitting in the hotel room watching The Boss Baby.
2: <laughs> what? Hang on. Okay, let me defend myself
1: for a minute, okay? <laughs> and, no, 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 no. I'll finish it. Okay. <laughs> and I was like, I, at first I was dumbfounded. I was like, what are you guys doing? We're like, watching The Boss Baby. And it's like, all right. And then they explain it to me, like, how they like the Boss Baby apparently, and it's it's somewhat of a good film. And I ended up watching the rest of it w- rest of it with them. And it, the animation's good. Anyways,
2: <laughs> this is the second podcast where I've had to defend myself and reasonably my love for the Boss Baby.
1: Oh my
3: god! Uh, and I was like, you open the door. It's like, what are they doing? Do Coke off each other's dicks? It's like that's more socially acceptable than like the Boss
1: Baby. <laughs> oh no! My reaction was uh, just like one notch below that. I was like, what? are you doing because like first i thought they were doing it ironically and then it was like nope not a shred of irony here
2: okay can, can i explain why we were even doing that yes for just for like the brad's benefit and for the listening audience at home this uh, is so, joe's uh,
0: chance to set the record you know, straight
2: uh one of, our, one of our one of our mutual friends who was there uh, he was reading, going through his tweets, and he discovered uh, a string of tweets from that the, the YouTube guy Jontron, who boldly proclaimed that the Boss Baby is a better film than Blade Runner twenty forty nine. And we <laughs> noticed that uh, our, our hotel room had Netflix, and that the Boss Baby was on it. So he said, "Well, we got to find out. If he says it's better than Blade Runner two, we got to find out." And well, we started isn't watching it. And he also
3: says the- a bunch of racist shit. So like, why do you got? Yes. Why do you got to like? Why don't you research all the racist shit? He said. Why don't you get out your fucking like okay? Skull look, I,
2: I'm a I'm well aware of that, but you can't just say the boss baby is better than Blade Runner two and not and not expect me to, to see if this is correct. And so we did, and it's not better than Blade Runner two, but it is a very good animated feature.
0: <laughs> oh my
2: god.
1: <laughs> oh. So anyway, right. da- so
2: anyway, Dan Aykroyd is the boss baby.
1: Dan Aykroyd is the boss baby. Uh, so basically is, what Joe is says Winthorpe. that he doesn't agree with everything Hitler did, but... <laughs> <laughs> uh, Winthorpe is a, is a commodity, commodities future trader uh, who is hired by the Dukes, Duke and Duke, uh, who are old money, uh, two old dudes, uh, brothers, and they they run this commodity trading firm and it, it, it appears that Winthorpe is is pretty okay at his job but it's uh, it's also portrayed as being very simplistic he sits at a desk and guesses what guesses whether a number is gonna go higher or lower and um, in later this, in, the in this film, case the
2: Duke... it's pork bellies
1: yes and the Dukes explain you know either whether or not it goes higher or lower we still make money because you know they they have both buy and sell orders in this market um, all right so cut that- to. Uh Winthorpe visiting the gentleman's club, like an actual gentleman's club, not not a the heritage joint. club. I think is the, name of it. the Heritage Club, yeah. The Heritage Club. Basically old rich dudes club um, where he goes and meets the Dukes to give them uh the papers, the, the payroll for them to sign. Uh there is a mysterious Mr. Brooks Books. Beeks. Clarence Beeks. Beeks Clarence Mr. Beeks. Clarence Boddicker. Uh, which uh which Winthorpe inquires about, and they quickly, uh, you know, make make light of it and say, oh, we'll take care of this person. Yeah, there's some, yeah, like, oh, it's, some, it's a codename for
3: some special <laughs> projects thing, or some
1: bullshit Yes, like that. he's doing research for us, and they wipe it under the table, but it's very clear it'll come up in the movie later. Uh, we cut to Billy Ray Valentine, who <laughs> is uh, outside, uh, played by Eddie Murphy, a uh, wonderful performance. Uh, he is he's out outside of the the gentleman gentleman's club and bumps into we fell, well first well, we first, first he, he just, grabs onto grabs onto winthorpe slave he's, he's pretending to be a disabled veteran and is is begging um and that goes about as well as you would expect uh but as winthorpe is exiting this club he bumps in uh, bumps into billy ray valentine and drops his case and uh billy ray picks it up and tries to give it back to him. And of course, being racist, Winthorpe immediately assumes that he's being robbed. Uh, and this escalates further and further until Billy Ray is being chased through the Gentleman's Club with the briefcase and is apprehended. Uh, all the while, the Dukes are having a discussion about nature versus nurture, whether somebody's upbringing and, and environment are more influential to the kind of person they're going to be or their genes.
3: Yeah, like, one of the one of the Dukes is convinced that um, the only reason Winthrop was successful is because he comes from a good family and everything. And the other one is like, no, he, he's successful because he went to Harvard and all this shit.
1: Like, they Well, no, that's the same side. The other side is... The other side is Winthrop would be successful no matter where he came from. Yeah, that's, that's the, that's the uh, G of Because of his breeding. Yeah, that's what like he came is, from. A, the, he
3: came from a good family versus he had good training.
1: Right,
2: exactly. Right. So Randolph is all about, is the nurture candidate. He's all about the, you know, if you put somebody in the right surroundings and give them the right motivation. You know, anybody can be successful. Uh, meanwhile, Mortimer, his brother, his like, more, his like, and and like, more blatantly racist brother, believes it's all about genetics and nature and like, no, it's just how you were born. That yeah. defines, you know, kind of how how good you are and how equipped you are to do the do be up to, to be a person in the world. Although you right. you
0: do eventually find out that they are both extremely racist.
1: <laughs> yes. But oh, one yes. Is, one yeah. is just racist. Er. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. More openly, mostly. Uh,
2: but so like. uh, Mortimer and Randolph they make a gentleman's wager to determine um, who is who is more correct uh, about nature versus nurture, and so. What they' plan to do is they plan to uh, frame Winthorpe for uh, stealing money and also being a drug dealer to bring him down as low as he possibly can go, take away his um, his bank account, his home, his job, his girlfriend, everything, leave him you know a bum on the street. Meanwhile, give Billy Ray all of that stuff, give him give him his his uh, house, his clothes, his butler, everything, and encourage him to like be. A successful businessman show him yeah. the ropes and teach yeah, him him yeah, give him, you know, him lewi's job give him give him lewi's job and then the the bet is whether or not
1: uh, there are two parts, uh, parts to the bet there are the, two parts the, to the first bet. part of the bet is that uh Valentine will succeed in the job and be basically just as as uh lucrative as Winthorpe in this job and the other side of the bet is that Winthorpe will uh commit crime and become basically a hardened street criminal
3: yeah there the the bet is basically Yeah, uh, Billy Ray, put in the right circumstances, will do well despite being from, as he puts it, like a broken home and things like that. You know,
2: Mm -hmm. and so the the plan is set into motion. Dan Aykroyd gets completely destroyed and thrown out onto the street, and Billy Ray gets put into a suit and given this fancy house and a fancy butler. We should talk about some of the
3: some of the names you you would recognize who just show up randomly in this movie at places.
2: Um, yeah, like, um, so so when the, when Billy Ray first gets thrown into prison, he's just standing there explaining how he beat up all these rich dudes with, like, his, his fake karate skills yeah. that he definitely does have. And the guy standing next to him is uh, Giancarlo Esposito from uh, Breaking Bad, just kind yeah. of standing and watching.
0: <laughs> Never fucking realized it, it. Yeah, we
3: didn't realize it until we were looking at the credits, because I was looking at some of the other names, and, um,
1: yeah, yeah. Those those, those
3: two guys are not kidding. Are credited as big
1: black guy and bigger blacker and uh, bigger black guy. I think <laughs> bigger black I, guy. I would have sworn he would have been credited as yeah guy. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I figured it was. I figured Dude. it would be Barry White and yeah guy. But yeah, it was like it was like <laughs> big
3: black guy and even bigger black guy or something like that.
2: Oh man, <sighs> but yeah. Um... I'm not sure where to take the, the, the story from here, but basically in, in the, the majority of the film is about Billy Ray being thrust into the world of high finance and well, and, and classy living. We, we find out who I, Clarence I, Beaks
1: is, is, is where the plot goes next. I, I okay. can, I can, there's a little bit to it. And the the central part of the movie is sort of this witnessing this shift. Um, Billy Ray, you know, just does or is is first incredulous at, at receiving all of this and and wondering why the why's and how's and eventually comes to terms with it uh ends up going to uh, a bar and paying off his debt and uh receiving all of his old friends and has them over to his house for a party but then during this party there's like this shift where you know he he starts uh he, he acting a little more stodgy yeah. and and at at forty two thirty. Is how I am in my internal monologue whenever I'm hosting a party. It's like, have you ever heard of coasters? <laughs> Who put this out on the table? It's like, i Get it. off this carpet. This is a Persian rug. Like he, he shifts from nine. like
2: trying to steal everything in his brand new house, like shoving stuff into his coat and like cigar boxes and stuff, to actually like taking ownership of it and trying to treat hope, wish hope wishing and hoping that his guests would treat his house with some respect.
1: And, and then eventually ends up telling them all to leave and telling them all to be quiet because the neighbors... Yes. He wants the neighbors to stay asleep because they have jobs as well. Yeah. And um, speaking of his job, he's it's actually... It's such a good scene. He's
3: actually really good at his job just from... I guess the movie makes you want to think of it's just from street smarts. It's just kind of like commonsensical readings of, like, how people act in general is how he's able to kind of predict the futures markets.
1: Yeah. Like, he... It, it goes into a little bit of that and it's also, like... It's one of those things where it's like, oh, all high, you know, high level white collar jobs are kind of bullshit. Yeah, where and you he, he, just make it up as you yeah, go. And he, and he, he also basically it, says it's, it's
3: pretty much gambling because when they explain it to him, he's like, oh, you guys are bookies. I understand now. And yeah. they uh, just, this you know, was, they, they don't disagree. This,
1: this scene also has what I think is the best gag in the entire movie when they're explaining to him futures commodities. And they get to bacon, and they're like a BLT, or it's like a bacon yeah. as you would find in a bacon lettuce and tomato sandwich. And Eddie Murphy just breaks the fourth wall and just stares straight yeah. into the camera. <laughs> it's the best.
0: I like that as well.
2: Like, are you, are you motherfuckers um, kidding me right now? <laughs> it's so
1: good. It's it's the best. But yeah, thing like, like one know. of um, the readings
3: he had, one of the things he he predicts is like you know, um, the market's going bad. It's almost Christmas time. The guys who are trying to sell are going to be desperate to sell at any price. And he ends up being right on that. Just just kind of like more or less commonsensical readings that take a little bit of intuition, you know, and a little bit of gambling kind of
2: Right. Mm-hmm. Like any like it's it's a it's a thing where like anybody with a couple of brain cells to rip together can sort of intuit what was what's probably going to happen. And and yeah. the fact that there's like a computer the read out there to tell you exactly what's happening as it's happening, like it, you get the sense like, that there's this kind of shift in like the stock market that's happening right about the time this movie came out where things start to get more automated and more um, simplistic. And like this is the time when someone like Billy Ray Valentine can like take advantage of that, if given the opportunity. Yeah. And just run run the table, yeah. basically. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, yeah. We should also talk about the sort of Jovian fall of Winthorpe.
3: <laughs> yeah, let's, that's that I You know, Clarence Beeks reveals himself as being
1: a guy who works for a
3: securities company, who for some reason was also on the Duke's payroll. He's the one who plants the drugs and the stolen money on Winthorpe. He also bribes a um, a prostitute who, when she took off her wig, it's like, oh, it's Jamie Lee Curtis. Okay, um, who um, pretends to be um, who pretends to go for, go to Winthorpe for a fix to scare with Orp's girlfriend off to think oh he really is a drug dealer on the side um he ends up living with her for a while because she takes pity on him because he obviously
1: doesn't know what the hell to do do with himself without she, without money. she doesn't even necessarily take pity on him she sees him as an investment or at least at the beginning yeah she sees him film. as an
2: investment because she knows like if he's telling the truth she'll get a big payday from it yeah
1: because she i mean it's a combination of that and pity because she like looks at him realize he
3: has a manicure there's no way he's ever done a thing in his life like by himself well, that's why she thinks.
1: Well,
3: yeah, and that's the I think it's a combination of pity and like you know dollar signs in the eyes.
2: You're right. Yeah, it's true. Um, okay, she she's kind of she's the the hooker with the heart of gold, sort of. Yeah, exactly. There it is. Stereotype. There it is. And
3: because yeah. she's Jamie Lee Curtis, she's also the source of like sixty eh, percent of the nudity in this movie.
2: <laughs> Roughly, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how many um, there, times do you I, see her boobs? Th- th- th-
1: th- Three times, twice, something like that. I don't know. A few. Something like that.
2: I mean, yeah, they re- they they lean into the fact that she's playing a hooker, a prostitute. So they they, they have her disrobe a couple of times.
3: Yeah, because it's it's an eighties movie, and it's <laughs> Jamie Lee Curtis is like, yeah, well, man, we'll make Hey while the sun Yeah,
2: and I don't I don't know if, if if they considered her to like be so brave to do a role like this, but like she actually won awards for this movie. Oh, Jamie Lee Curtis won a BAFTA award for best supporting actress for this role.
1: Oh huh. wow! Yeah, so. We could go into more detail, but um, it's, it's it's not really germane to the plot, right? It's a lot of
2: it's a lot of moving parts that kind of build up to sort of a pretty a fairly simple plot. to tell Well, the there's a lot think.
1: of comedy fluff as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This I mean, this is a two hours long comedy movie.
2: Uh, there's a lot of uh, chaff going on in this film.
1: <laughs> All right, should it's we just, get to, the, to make the central okay. the, the 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 action in the second? Second act? Yeah, I mean... Okay.
2: So, I, I guess at this point, like, all this transpires over the course of, like, I guess about a month or so around Christmas, because, um, you know, there's, there's Christmas stuff going on, there's p- preparations for the holidays, there's Christmas trees everywhere. Yeah, and, and a lot um, of the major
3: plot events that kick, like, the second half of the plot in motion happen at a Christmas party.
1: Yeah. Yes. Yeah.
2: Why don't you
3: go
1: into that?
2: At the Christmas
3: party, we have... It's... It's... Um, Billy Ray is still trying to do a little work, and the Dukes are like, you know, I'll take the night off, you know, have fun, it's Christmas Eve or whatever, and one of the things, uh, Billy Ray is doing is he is looking through the payroll, and he finds a check to, uh, Clarence Beeks, asks the the Dukes about it, and they're just like, oh, he worked here before you got here, there's nothing to worry about, I'll take care of it, blah blah he just puts the check, the $10,000 check in his pocket, um, uh, Winthorpe is sneaking in dressed as like the dirtiest, nastiest Santa ever—the
0: <laughs> the the baddest I'm... Santa, if you will.
1: Oh, it's so gross, especially when he friggin' puts a salmon fillet <laughs> down his shirt. Oh, He's just
3: stuffing his pockets full
1: of rolls, puts a salmon down his coat. It's and... nasty. And he, uh, At one point later, well, it, it's not germane to the plot, but later he takes it out on the bus and it's like all tangled up in his yeah. beard and he's trying oh, to eat it. I almost
0: fucking disgusting. gagged. It was nasty.
3: <laughs> Anyways. Winthorpe is trying to plant drugs in his office, in Valentine's office. Valentine has him kicked out. Um, Valentine um, is in the bathroom sneaking a cigarette when the duke's no, no he,
1: I, I, I thought it was implied that it he, he stole like a
2: he he stole one he, joint he, from from yeah, uh, he stole a joint out of the drawer stash of, of shit
1: okay yeah. oh, sorry, i missed it i thought he was just an no he he,
3: he
0: he pocketed it out of the shit that got planted in his drawer okay
3: well yeah he's smoking in the he's smoking in the boys room either way and the duke's come in and they're discussing the bet and he discovers first off that there was the bet and second off that the bet was for a fucking dollar that they
1: they fucked with <laughs> these two guys lives a single and also goddamn third, dollar. that they're, like, super wicked racist. Yeah, and, they yeah. do use the N-word in this scene. And
3: fourth, that they're going to switch it back around, because, you know, so. Yeah. It's
2: like, we've tortured Winthrop we can... enough,
3: <laughs> basically. Time to throw Valentine back well, out on the street is pretty much what they say. Yeah. And. Yeah. So, Valentine tracks down um, Winthrop after Winthrop tries to commit suicide a few times. He tries That's to kill good. himself with a gun. The gun doesn't work. He bought the gun from Bo Diddley, by the way.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah he puts the gun to his head pulls the trigger nothing happens he throws the gun away and then you hear a, a gunshot go off and, and, like and, a and glass breaking
3: <laughs> yeah yeah i love that it's just from oh, it man. wasn't just like a gunshot and the cat or something like that it was like five or six fucking noises going on like it was <laughs> one of those jokes shattering glass but yeah one of those jokes where it's like it goes on about three seconds longer than it should and that's why it's good
0: right yeah
3: but then he he tracks um he tracks Eddie. Uh, Eddie Murphy tracks Dan Arcade back down to um, Jamie Lee Curtis's apartment because they don't have character names; they're just the actors now. Um, <laughs> then the the he's he's O D. Ophelia, Ophelia is Ophelia. the
1: name of Jamie Lee Curtis's character. By the yeah.
3: way, yeah, he um, L- Winthrop is ODing on pills in the bathtub. They um, Billy Ray calls his butler, who kind yes. of is finally coming clean on what's going on. Coleman. Coleman, like the lantern. <laughs> yes. He he's kind of finally coming clean on what's going on. They realize that this is all the Dukes just fucking with people because they're rich and have the money to fuck with people like this,
1: and it, and it was for a dollar no less. And yeah. also
3: that they are also the other thing is that they have a they have um, Beeks stealing a copy of the orange juice futures report before it comes out um, publicly,
1: right? So they can they can corner the market on frozen orange juice or like right before the report gets out and make a lot of money. Yes.
0: Yeah.
1: So, so cut to oh, the worst so, part of uh, the movie. Ha- hang on a
2: second though. I-, I do want to point out that like uh, when when um Winthrop wakes up in his own back in his own bed in his own house again, he-, he turns to Coleman and he says, "I had the most absurd nightmare. I was poor and no one liked me." <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I uh, I liked uh, that too. Oh, yeah. Oh.
2: And- but yeah, so then the worst part of the movie happens.
3: It's then it just it just turns into like just a like a comedy of errors type thing of just all these things going on these parts that try to move next to each other and just
1: no what it turns it, it, the first part of the movie is a good comedy movie and then all of a sudden it turns into a very bad comedy movie yeah, for about ten yeah it's like
3: all these parts that move next to each other because of course they do it's like oh there's a gorilla that's going to be important because there's a fucking gorilla now you know yes.
0: <laughs>
1: Yeah, it turns into, like, so there's, I don't know. There's like a, You've seen bad comedy movies, yeah. you know what I'm talking so about. So there's,
3: what, what else is going on? There's a party on the train that all the rich people are at.
0: Oh, my favorite part about the party, by the way, is that they cut to and from it over the course of, like, 15 or 20 minutes, and every time they cut to it, the locomotion is playing. <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah, constantly. <laughs> it's always the same song, yeah. Yes. Jim Belushi's at this party dressed up like a monkey, because
1: he, he has to ruin no, a, a gorilla. He, he, he actually, there's a, there's a small cut where he's, Telling somebody off or calling him a monkey instead of a gorilla. Yeah, okay. I'm sorry, Jim. Which I'm is sorry. It's one of the it's one of the few good jokes in the, this entire bit, actually. This I whole think.
2: thing feels like a weird SNL sketch that they decided to just graft onto this movie because it really yes. does not fit.
3: I think my favorite running joke in the entire movie is every time someone calls Winthrop a heroin dealer, he corrects him that it was PCP. Yes. <laughs> it's
1: it's pretty good.
2: <laughs> actually, it's PCP.
3: Angel dust. Sherman Angel dust. Hemsley. <laughs> <laughs> sure oh. uh, okay. Um, okay. So then, also for some reason, there is a gorilla in a cage on the train, getting which is put under the care of a very drunk Al Al Franken and a very drunk other guy, who are finding as many ways they can to ignore their duties and go do other things. Eventually, they go to the train costume party and say, "Oh, we just did a, I just was a baggage handler." Yeah. Um. Then we have Beeks is on the train with the um stolen uh futures report. And then we start having all of our uh horrible racist 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 stereotype costumes
1: show up. Yup. So, is this is this pre or post coming to America, by the way? I think pre. This is pre. This okay. is, is
3: pre Ghostbusters for what it's worth.
2: Yeah, that's right. true. So yeah, like um Eddie Murphy like walks in, like wanders into the cabin with uh, Beeks, who, who is played by
3: was played by uh the It's from Paul Breakfast Gleason Club.
2: from uh, the Breakfast Club. Yeah, yes. Um, but yeah, Paul Gleason is just like one of those. He's one of those actors you can always rely on to like show up in a movie in the eighties and just be angry at everybody.
3: Yeah, because he was he was the the Dwayne T. Robinson in Die Hard. Yeah, oh yeah, we, that's uh, right. That's some, right. We have some like uh some uh some re- recurring features on this on this episode. Polk, Weeson, Jamie
0: Lee Curtis, she was in Christmas with the Cranks, right? Yeah. She was in Christmas with the Cranks. Yeah, you're right. I completely the forgot about that. And Dan Aykroyd. Inaugural episode. Oh, Dan and Burrows Dan Aykroyd. That's, that's
2: amazing. God, yeah. uh, but anyway, yeah, so Eddie Murphy shows up in this um, It's like traditional African garb. He's like, a, I'm, a, I'm a Cameroonian uh, uh, exchange student, and he's he's going through his like holiday rituals and, and annoying the fuck out of beaks. And then, uh, Coleman shows up as in, in a priest's outfit and they start kind of doing yeah, like, it back and forth. It's like,
3: oh, I am Irish. I draw control out delete type of fucking accent.
0: Right. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh, and then, and then Jamie Lee Curtis shows up as like a sweet, a Swedish like backpacker Which girl. I, with I like,
3: really love it because she's like, yeah, I'm Swedish, Sweden. And Coleman's like, don't you mean you're German? You're wearing the lederhosen. No Austrian. Yeah. It's like, I think you'd be <laughs> Austrian to wear the hose. She's like.
0: No, yeah, I'm just Swedish. <laughs>
2: <laughs> terrible! It's so good, it's terrible. Christ! But then, but then Dan Aykroyd shows up in blackface as as Bob Marley, as a Bob Marley-esque Jamaican man.
1: Whoop whoop whoopsadoodle! Uh, and what it is is
3: they're just all trying to create a big distraction so they can switch the suitcases out, put a um, put a fake report in it, and it all doesn't work because uh, Beek catches them doing this, pulls a gun on them, um, drags them back to the. Uh, to the baggage car in- where the gorilla is,
2: yeah.
3: Jim Belushi shows up and just farts all over everything and ruins the plans because <laughs> that's what Jim Belushi does.
2: He like gets up and, and he gets he gets up into Beeks's face and like starts yelling at him for like being a, a buzzkill at the party. <laughs> and yeah, they wind up putting putting Beeks into Jim Belushi's yeah, it's, it's like, gorilla costume. It's like
3: Beeks pushes Jim Belushi and the other gorilla gets mad and like knocks Beeks out.
1: Yeah,
2: so, so
3: they. Yeah, they duct tape his mouth up and put him in the gorilla costume in the cage with the other gorilla, who the other gorilla then rapes him because rape is funny because this is the eighties.
0: Yes.
2: Uh oh, because gorilla rape is also funny because it's the eighties. Oh boy, this, this whole this whole sequence is it was ill advised, and I'm I'm sure it, it on just, network TV you would not see much of it anymore.
1: It could just be
0: described as problem problematic nowadays. Yeah. Yeah. There. they're,
1: much. they're is one good thing about this sequence and that i appreciate this movie putting all of the on funny and problematic stuff into a 10 minute stretch and just getting it out of its system yeah it's better than sprinkling all of this throughout the entire movie because it would have ruined yeah
3: it. like the, the like because it's an early eddie, 80s eddie murphy thing and Everyone in the early 80s thought it was really funny when Eddie Murphy uh, yelled homophobic slurs. He does that several times throughout the movie.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, there's that. I guess there are other problematic parts. But what I'm saying is, though,
3: it's like, yeah, for most of the other problematic things, it's just just a segment of the train where everything is horrible and racist.
1: Yeah. (laughs) It cannot be understated how bad this whole sequence is.
0: The terrible, horrible, no good, very bad racist train
1: but it's it's just on funny is the big thing but yeah, yeah. But, but like
2: it, from a 2018 perspective if you can make it through this sec- this sequence of the film you then come to the best sequence in the film which but, is their their revenge the actual revenge plan against the dukes so they've they've
3: switched out the reports and put a fake one in and, and they give that to the dukes right oh and we forgot to mention one of the cops was frank oz
0: yeah
2: that's true, yeah. the 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 bald cop with the little mustache the, 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 the cop who sounded like the cop who sounded like
3: Kermit was Frank Oz, surprisingly, <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> which is which is ironic. So Winthorpe and and Valentine, you know, they, they they get dressed for the big day. They go to New York City. They go to the World Trade Center. Uh never forget. Uh-oh. Um whoop, whoop. and yeah. The, and and Winthorpe explains to to Valentine how stressful this is. Like this is the big show. This is like you you have to kill or be killed. It's buy low, sell high. He gives them all like the all of the uh, the uh, stock market t- trading tips and they they set their plan in motion where their plan is to uh,
3: the, Dukes are, the Dukes are of the, are under the impression that the report is going to say that the winter storms were so bad that they've decimated the orange juice crops.
1: Right In the which case they rate. want to buy the price is going to go up, so they want to buy as much of the frozen orange juice before the price goes up and the report comes out. Yeah,
2: right. So th- so <laughs> they, However, they, for- they, they trick them into driving the price up, but on the sales floor, on the floor, uh, Winthorpe and Valentine start to sell and and they get a, a they get like a, a selling uh, rush going so that the price gets dropped down dramatically to like $29
1: a yeah, share. Yeah, once
3: once the report comes out and everything and people really start selling, yeah, the good price drops from like 100 and something to 29.
1: What they do is they wait for the price to raise a bunch because they Duke and Duke had ordered their trader to to buy as much as possible up to a certain price and they waited and then they started selling theirs, tanking the price.
2: And as soon as the and price got insuring, to you know twenties, yeah. well, that's when they personally started buying everything back at a low price, essentially, mm-hmm. essentially fucking the Dukes out of billions of dollars.
1: Welcome to economic screams.
3: But here's here's the thing, though. They knew what the report said because they had they had made a fake report.
1: Right. Yes.
3: So they were like, let's just like so it like let's get revenge on them for insider trading by insider trading ourselves.
0: Yeah, that them harder. that part kind of squicked me out, honestly, but
3: yeah like no, no joke there there have been like like laws and stuff passed basically called like the trading places law to stop people from doing shit like this in the stock market
2: right exactly this and like do you not think there's going to be an investigation into what the hell happened on the trading floor that day um, right but it doesn't matter because yeah, because uh, like
3: when two guys <laughs> managed to lose 350 million dollars in 1983 money in one in one
1: hour. The Dukes are ruined. His brother has a heart attack. They reveal their true natures. Everything's getting repossessed. They have their revenge. We cut to uh, Valentine and Winthorpe and the butler Coleman and Jamie Lee Curtis all on the beach having a good laugh with their respective significant others that they've found in the interim. Uh, uh, and and
2: Winthorpe, has, Winthorpe has has Jamie Lee Curtis. Uh, Valentine has some random woman we've never met before, and Coleman has his own butler.
0: Yes.
1: Yeah, as well as some woman we've never met before. I guess. Yeah,
2: or or it's not his but it's like it's whoever's at the resort. But like Coleman right. gets to be the one to tell the guy to go get stuff for them. Yes. Right. Should
0: this... we have
2: should we have you was know, with the roast beef or the crab and and the woman's like porque no las dos? Exactly. <laughs> Did you know this
3: movie is part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe? is it go on explain so this movie is in the same universe as coming to america because mortimer and randall show up in coming to america
2: remember I, i do remember that yeah yeah and go on
3: and coming to america they come from the kingdom of zamunda which the internet has led me to believe zamunda is very near to wakanda Oh. oh no so this movie is part of the marvel cinematic universe oh no so you're saying this is like Fantastic. A,
2: a, a two times removed prequel to Black Panther?
3: Yes, I, I'm I'm, in, I'm into
2: it. Uh, I'm I'm all here for that, it.
3: That was probably one of the one of the best things about the internet when Black Panther was coming out of seeing so many people dressed up as characters from Coming to America, like com- yes, those are the costumes they chose
1: to go to Black Panther in. Yeah, I did see that as well. Oh boy
2: uh but yeah trading places everybody uh it's not necessarily a Christmas movie actually not a whole lot of this even pertains to christmas the big uh the big uh stock uh, orange juice futures rush at the end of the film was it takes place on January second and they sort of get back at the dukes by wishing them a happy new year um so not a whole lot of Christmas goes on here but uh I don't know
1: christmas adjacent Christmas adjacent
3: well, it's also I think Christmas is an important part of it because. It kind of drives home how shitty the Dukes are. That, like, not only are they pulling this shit for their own fucking amusement, but they're pulling the sh- shit for their own fucking amusement on Christmas,
1: over Christmas,
2: yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Hmm. And like that—that's not the, not just that. Like, oh, they're gonna. they don't even think about it in this term they don't even think about it in terms of like we're going to help out this 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 you know homeless man on christmas we're they're, they're thinking about it in terms of we're going to boot this guy on his ass and fuck up his life on christmas
0: right not only like take away all of his like money and possessions and like everything you know everything that is like tangible in his life but also like all of his relationships and you know just completely ruin him
2: yeah, like they, he he gets blacklisted from like the uh, the squash club or whatever it is. And right. oh no, God, not the squash fucking, club! I got God,
3: I forgot about that fucking musical number. <laughs> oh <laughs> a no, barber shop like, barbershop the quartet, like fucking whiff and poof ass motherfuckers. I want them all dead. <laughs>
2: This movie does take like great pains to uh, illustrate just how gross and terrible like actual rich people are. Not in that, not in the sense that like they're like rotten to the core, like in their souls, but just like
3: they're like they're rich... all big fo- spoiled fucking babies. Yeah,
2: yeah, like yeah. Ri- like like uh, upper class rich culture is just like awful garbage. Uh, yes. Full of barbershop quartets and squash and, like, classy restaurants full of food and, you can't pronounce. And... and weird foreplay and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: That uh, whole fucking scene where they were just, like, fucking, like, talking intensely while each getting undressed well, was
1: ridiculous. Yeah, it's crazy.
2: This is how, This is how the rich make their babies.
0: Right, exactly.
2: <laughs> it's awful. Um, no, no Trading Places is a great film that that the 10-minute stretch on the train notwithstanding, like this is
1: I, I'm That's, a fan. <laughs> this is that would be the only thing to Santa's workshop and maybe a couple of other small
2: right. points. Right. So, okay. Um, I, I'm yeah. I'm thinking now of a of a different film um that has not nothing to do with Christmas that we're going to workshop this with right now. Okay. What if uh, the train sequence? I mean, let's keep the train sequence. Like you know, we need some kind of bait and switch to get the the crop reports out on, and we need some kind of like fun party atmosphere because you know it is the holidays and they're having a big Christmas party or is it New Year's? I don't remember. I think it's Chris- New Year's. It's
1: it's the day before New Year's or something. it's like January. Yeah, it's, it's like December yeah, thirtieth. No,
2: yeah, it's the it's like the New Year's party on the train because they're on the train to New York. Yeah. Um. So like. You know, it's it's the middle of like basketball season and whatnot, and I'm thinking of a movie here uh, from the '90s called My Fellow Americans. Have you guys ever seen this movie? No, not no. familiar. Okay, it's it's basically about like two former presidents who are like on the run from the government because the government's trying to kill them, and they're trying to like expose this conspiracy cover up before they get killed. It's a comedy, I swear, but it's mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. plot's pretty heavy. But it, there's a scene where they hide out on this train that's going to like a basketball tournament, and it's a it's a train full of uh unC tar heel fans which is <laughs> kind of why I'm into it <laughs> but they just like hide out on this train and they have to like pretend to be basketball fans and they they pose as like president impersonators for the party uh, on this train full of basketball fans oh my god and it's like deeply inoffensive and deeply like I'm not gonna say pc but like it's okay as far as the pc thing goes and I wonder and like, if you could just like make it make it like an 80s version of that.
3: So it's it's like if Bill Clinton went around on a train just being just doing a bad impression of himself.
2: Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so like the the two businessmen, uh, I guess, and they still have to like be in costume, but uh, with a with like a a, a crowd, of, a crew of like uh, basketball fans, or uh, even like people going to see the Olympics or something. I don't know. Um, sports fans of that ilk. I can't see. I, I can see ways for it to be racist, but I can also see ways for it to not be racist, and that's kind of all I'm trying to do
1: here. <laughs> it's kind of a low wall to jump over. I mean, after if what, we're, if we're, we're going to just say here's this other
3: movie about trains and put it in there, where, like we could just like put Under Siege Two in there for like replace the entire train sequence with Under Siege Two.
2: So then Steven Seagal has to get the brief, the real briefcase to the front of the train before Polkieson explodes.
1: Yes, <laughs> we'll replace it with uh, Snowpiercer. There we go. Okay, yeah. I will always replace everything with Snowpiercer. Murder, murder on the Orient Express. Or planes, trains, and automobiles.
3: <laughs> only the only the middle part of planes,
1: trains, and automobiles, though. Uh, yes, exactly. Only the trains. Only the trains part of trains, planes, and automobiles. Um, <laughs> I guess that would be the front part, but anyways. I suppose, yeah. Um,
2: so, yeah. let's. Uh, it's about time in the show where we, we, we uh, rate this film on our, our patented crankometer scale. Where we give it an X and Y axis rating for Christmas osity as well as a uh, general quality score.
1: Good Aussie. Good Good
2: I can't believe it's, it's taken us 60 plus episodes to, to think about. Quality um, I, I
0: was about qual-osity. to say Quality, yeah.
2: <laughs> anyway, so the X axis, where we talk about, uh, well, I mean, we've already been talking about it, how Christmassy the film is. Um, what kind of a score would y'all give this? Like, is it does it even does it even rate in the positive? Because it's kind of I mean nah. it's, it's, I don't know.
3: I mean it's, it it uses Christmas as a setting for lack of another setting. It doesn't really yeah. do anything with it.
0: And I and really if yeah. you like read into it, like you can understand why Christmas. You know, like we were talking about with it being especially horrible that they're doing this over Christmas. Yeah,
3: but yeah, yeah. They but it, it, they it's don't not really a like plot though. And yeah. At the same time, the movie doesn't get Christmas wrong though, so we can't give it too much in the negatives. Right,
2: so, maybe so a um, one point for. Sh- I, I, I was gonna say one point for showing up.
0: Yeah, I wasn't gonna. I was gonna say maybe zero or, or around okay. there.
1: I mean, uh, I guess that's neutral enough. Yeah. If, yeah. If, 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 if I if I'm
2: willing to give it one point, and Brad wants to give it negative points, uh, I guess we can meet in the middle and say no points. Negative. Oh yeah.
0: Yeah, because it's it's a it's pretty neutral. I think.
2: Yeah, I'd say so. Um, it's one of those films that like you, nobody ever talks about it being a Christmas film, which is kind of why we haven't talked about it until today but uh it, it's you know out the uh the the accoutrements and the setting is there, and like if you want to read into it kind of like we're doing right now, yeah, you can I guess, but it's not necessary there's no need for this film to take place at Christmas, yeah, like if you remove it and it doesn't lose anything, yep, so i I, I, yeah, I'll... <laughs> yeah, zero. yeah. I'll, I'll I'll allow a zero, I guess. Um, <laughs> no score. I'll allow it. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, y-axis. How good did y'all think uh, uh, Trading Places was? Actually, I should have asked this at the start, at the top of the show. Had y'all even seen this before?
0: I no. hadn't. No.
1: I had not either.
0: Okay,
3: so I have a question about the movie Silver Streak. Okay, <laughs> that's 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 Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor on a train, right? Yeah, yeah. Is G- Gene Wilder in blackface in that movie? I think he is. What is what eighties movies trains blackface?
0: <laughs> People are racist as fuck.
2: I don't think I don't I don't see I don't want I don't want to talk out of turn here, but I don't I have a feeling that like in the eighties blackface wasn't as much of a cardinal sin of of popular culture as it is now. Like Yet. it was frowned upon, but it wasn't like something you straight up do not ever do.
1: I mean, it still happens. It
2: still happens, and it's still yeah. unfortunate, but, it, but like,
1: it, yeah, people yeah. weren't
0: aware then that it was as fucking, like, offensive and insulting as it is, and so they just did it because they thought it was funny.
2: Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. That's the, it's the trap that you, you fall into whenever you watch pretty much any comedy from the 80s. Um, yeah, is like there are definitely going to be things that are super like pc and yeah, super like how racist.
3: sixteen candles is really racist and just straight up has some rape in it. Yeah,
0: well, and also yeah, exactly. the kind of like homophobic shit in this movie as well.
1: Yeah, there's a bit of that. Yeah, there's a as lot as of well. casual homophobia, which I
3: still say that's just Eddie Murphy. That's just Eddie Murphy. Like, have you seen Eddie Murphy Raw?
2: Yeah, I have, and yeah, like, he tends to not talk about that that uh, stand up special anymore. Like, you you can't get him to talk about it because like yeah, even he knows. Yeah. Um, but like it, I don't know. That yeah. that aside, I still really
1: enjoyed the film.
3: Yeah, I mean, I don't give it points off for that, but you know, you still earn some points for the rest of the movie, though.
1: I, I yeah, I would dock some points. I did mention to Joe, I was looking back through the backlog, and at least since I've started, I think, I think this might be the first movie other than Die Hard that I legitimately Enjoyed, enjoyed just it being a movie. You know, I, I yeah. there's stuff like Santa Buddies and Grinch 2000 where it's like so weird and bad it's good <laughs> in its own special way. But oh, no. but this is this is I think this is the first movie we've done since Die Hard that I was able to enjoy on its own merits, like truly enjoy and and just watch a movie.
3: Yeah, yeah, we, we tend to save the crap for you because as we always say, uh, bad movies are bad movies. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's all part of the. It's all um, part of being here. Yeah,
2: we, we 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 do say that in the super secret, uh, no Brad's allowed uh, back channel. That we exactly. Have and now that Brad knows know. about it, and I guess before, we're before to you him.
3: before you say anything, we are allowed to have one Brad. Brad Pitt's already in it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So, so how, how about a th- s-
2: somewhere three? between a three and a four?
1: Yeah, but we can't so give three. A point. I'd say give uh, it a
3: I'll, I'd say I'd give it a 4 and then take away a point for the whole horrible racist section.
1: Yeah, that's that that, fair that seems that to fair, sounds fair to me. Yeah.
2: A, 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 a 0 positive 3 on our crankometer score. I think that's pretty good. That should tell you a lot about uh about uh trading places. It's a good film. Uh some problems in it. Not too Christmassy. I wouldn't put this on around the holidays. To be no. up, to be perfectly frank. <laughs> but um uh, yeah. This is kind of the season for Christmas I mean, movies that this, aren't actually Christmas movies. This is one so. of those
3: movies that, like, back in the late 90s would just play on Comedy Central all the time because they had the rights to it.
2: Yeah. like, Yeah. I, I, most of what I remember about this film as a kid was just seeing random scenes from this a, as TV commercials or just kind of in clips on Comedy Central. Uh, I also know that I do remember that uh, in my high school civics class, the teacher used that stock market sequence to explain how the stock market worked.
0: Oh my god!
1: That's does a tear. That would be make it probably even more confusing because I was watching it. and I was like, how did any like they're all yelling at each other? Yeah, like, how does I was it- like what? The anything f- ever f- works? What is
2: going on here? Right, and, and like I said you know, earlier in the show, like. It, it shows you kind of how far we've come, because like obviously all of all of that stuff is automated now. You don't see that kind of stuff going on anymore. But that's kind of how it, it happened, was you'd actually have a
3: mm-hmm. hundred yeah, like, guys now, now standing instead in the of pit. Those, you just have a bunch of peers going, buy, 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 sell, 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 at each other.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, that's what the most recent tanking apparently was, was a bunch of automated stuff getting set off. Yeah, They're all I remember... kept feeding on each other. So welcome to the economy. It's terrifying. Yeah. Yeah, like, I remember seeing a
2: picture on Twitter uh, back when the stock market, stock market had its last big dip, and it was just a picture of a bunch of servers, and it said, like, the stock market f- currently freaking out right now. And it's just, like, a server farm.
0: Right. <laughs> that's
2: just kind of, that's, w- welcome to, welcome to a, a world where trading places could never happen because maybe people aren't allowed in, the, st- in, in the, the stock exchange anymore.
0: Maybe this is how the robot uprising starts. Like, they're controlling us through our money. Already. You know what,
2: that makes a way too much sense, so I think you're probably right. <laughs> Shit.
3: Okay, now we have to talk about the stupid fan theory I heard about in The Matrix yesterday. Okay, cool. do okay. it. Okay. The fan theory I heard about The Matrix was that Neo, Morpheus, etc. are all actually machines. And what The Matrix actually is, is a server farm set up to trick the AI into thinking that it's won the war against humanity. Oh, so it's
1: it's it's like a double it's like a double back where it's like yeah, they are yeah like like humanity the, is the, kept the, in this the,
3: the machines th- the machines had an uprising, they lost, and the and the humans build the matrix to trick the, the machines into thinking that A they are humans and B that they are the matrix. Oh
1: my god. Oh, okay. <laughs> I
2: really like this theory, to be perfectly honest.
1: Same. Did it have like stuff in the movies to try to back this up or whatever? Or was it just like it's, what it's, wouldn't it be crazy it's, if It's
3: one of those things where it's like if you want to interpret certain scenes in an alternate way, it happens. Oh, okay. It's like that one fucking asininus hell theory about how Greece is actually like Sandy's like Jacob's ladder ass death dream.
1: Oh boy! Yeah. All of this stuff, or where like some of the ridiculous theories, where it's like certain pieces of kids' media are like kids hallucinating on their deathbeds yeah. or whatever. It's, it's like no, like, not everything is fucking Jacob's here. Ladder. Yeah.
2: Or like the one, the one I saw most recently that on on Cracked that said that the Hobbit trilogy is actually an adaptation of the book that Bilbo Baggins wrote, and not the actual adaptation of Tolkien's book. Well, huh?
1: I mean, isn't the whole isn't the Hobbit like framed around? there and back again which yeah kind of bilbo ends up writing yeah but it's still not yeah i get you or, I, I, I,
0: or you mean like the hobbit is like the like telling of the of actual events that happened in that world but then bilbo wrote his own story that had like its own embellishments that, yeah th-
1: that's that's exactly what actually is in the book yeah, yeah in, in
2: in the in the books at the end of lord of the rings like bilbo had written You know, there and back again—a Hobbit's tale. Right, exactly. This theory is saying that, like, the Peter Jackson's Hobbit trilogy of movies is is actually, quote unquote, an adaptation of the book that Bilbo Baggins wrote.
1: Oh, which puts
2: him, which puts himself more at the center of the action and doesn't knock him out for the final battle like the actual book does.
1: Yeah. See, I never ended up watching the last Hobbit film, so I didn't know that.
3: I I, I kind of get what you're going at. the, The theory is that. The Hobbit trilogy is a an adaptation of the story Bilbo would have told, which is why which is how they kind of hand wave away any differences from the actual book The Hobbit.
1: Right, because yes. the last third of The Hobbit is like Joe just said, Bilbo getting knocked out, and then it's just like this long military history of what happens with the race, the war between all of the. Di- like all the races like teaming up or whatever. See, it's been a long time since I read the Hobbit, but there's orcs and elves and, and <laughs> there's a lot of that door dwar- there's dwarves and they all end up fighting each other or with each other. I don't remember, but anyways, yes.
2: yeah. the answer to your question is yes. <laughs>
1: um,
2: So yeah, it, it, I, I like that theory personally about the matrix. Like it, if there's anything that I want now, it's, it's, an al- it's an alternative interpretation of The Matrix that hasn't been beaten to death yet, because The Matrix has been beaten to death, and I would like to maybe revisit it someday and watch it with fresh <laughs> eyes. Oh, dear. You'd like to
0: resuscitate it.
2: <laughs> yeah, so let's bring The Matrix back from the dead. Hey, so, we, uh, so we playing, that's...
1: So, we
3: were playing Drawful last week or the week before? Was it last week?
0: Uh, last weekend.
3: And I, I, the word I got was architect, so I drew the architect for the Matrix, and I'm just going to call Karen out. Karen fucking got it right. She knew what I was drawing. <laughs> shame, shame on you, Karen.
2: Wait, so you just drew Colonel Sanders?
3: I, I drew a fucking old dude with long hair sitting in front of a bunch of TVs. Yeah.
1: Uh, how did you get that kind of fidelity out of Drawful? That's impressive.
3: I just drew a stick figure with long hair and a chair, and then a bunch of TV you, you monitors were, with ones and zeros on them. You were okay. cheating and playing
2: Drawful with iPads, weren't you?
0: <laughs> there
2: you go. Yeah. Yeah. All right, I, guys. I, I, uh, I think uh, I think we're gonna have to leave it there for this week. Uh, we've talked about trading places enough, and it's time to wrap the show up. Uh, so, f- uh, final thoughts on trading places, I guess, w- before we go.
1: Um, I look straight into the camera.
0: <laughs> I I liked it, but um, I could have liked it more if, yeah.
2: <laughs> if certain things hadn't happened yeah yeah I, I uh j man
3: i mean it's probably the best version of prince of popper i've seen that doesn't have mickey mouse in it hey, yeah man.
2: that's fair yeah um well i guess the last thing i'll say is i'm currently looking at uh the common sense media website review for uh trading places and um the parents say that this is a good movie for kids ages fourteen and up. Kids say this is a good movie for ages thirteen and up. Um, <laughs>
3: Thirteen-year-olds want to see some J- some JLC titties.
2: Yeah, basically. <laughs> I do love how on the site you've got it. It lists uh, reviews from you know, what what kids had to say and what parents had to say, and ki- like, it lists the age of the kids that review this movie, and. Some of the kids are just talking about like all of the bad things that their par- that happened in this movie that their parents let them watch. <laughs> all uh, the boobs all the boobs this tit- this this title contains sexy stuff, language, consumerism, and drinking. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm glad that they put uh consumerism with like the other like societal like evils
2: yeah because if there's anything that this movie like really does sort of uh play up it's just the absolute avarice of rich people
0: right (laughs) just clowning on like rich old rich white men like just showing how fucking awful and stupid they are
2: yeah i'm surprised we got through this entire podcast without anybody saying the phrase eat the rich and now that i've said it let's end the show
0: let's (sighs) yeah yeah eat the rich
2: So yeah, if you want to get at us online and tell us what you thought about this episode or any other past episodes, or if you want to give us recommendations for future shows, you can find us on Twitter at Christmas Creeps. You can go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Christmas Creeps, email us, uh, xmascreeps at gmail.com, go to iTunes and Stitcher and uh, all the fun sites that host podcasts give us a star rating and a review that right. lets people know that uh, people are actually listening to the show and that they enjoy the show. Uh, that's the very important.
3: and leave us a review. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and also, finally, uh, and I, I guess I should probably have put this at the top of the show because I don't know who gets to the end of this show. But,
3: uh, <laughs> Hi, Booker. Uh,
2: and finally, tonight, I would like to plug one last thing. Uh, we are currently in the running for an actual podcast award. Uh, our local... Um, a, alternative weekly Cable paper. Award. Yes, we're, it's a Cable Ace Award. We're up for an Annie and a Cable Ace Award, and apparently a Peabody. It's amazing. Um, Damn.
3: But and an no, Obi and a Tony at the same time. I don't know how that fucking works.
2: Yeah, it's kind of amazing what they give, give awards nowadays. But speaking of which, uh, we are in the running for a local podcast award. It's in. um I'll put a link in the show notes. It's yes weeklies best of the triad 2018 we are in the running for best local podcast with about eight or nine other other shows and it would mean a whole lot to us if you would go to the, the link that we'll put in the show notes and vote for our podcast because we love we love doing this show and we want to get it out there to as many people as we possible and if we won that would be amazing i am not going to hold my breath but if you want to help us out we would really really appreciate it uh, I'll, again, I'll put a link in the show notes. They're, they'll ask you for your email address. That's kind of it. Uh, but uh, I think it would be really cool if we could actually get some press for this podcast that talks about Christmas movies in the middle of March.
1: Yeah, uh, go I'm, vote for
2: us. Go vote for us, please. It's considered a Christmas gift three months late. Uh, and with that said, I think that's going to be the show for this week. So we will see y'all in a couple of weeks with a brand new episode. Uh, hopefully, if things pan out, we'll have a guest with us. Uh, but uh, for Christmas Creeps, I'm Joseph Wade. I'm Bradford.
0: I'm Karen.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Happy <that even> <hando> Happy
0: Christmas. Happy Christmas we